And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. Hello, hustlers, founders, inventors, and startup enthusiasts. This is your guest host, Ron Chigetta. Uh, Matt's not with you this time. I'm doing a four-part series exploring food innovation and startups in the Synbio space. Uh, we've got four entre- entrepreneurs lined up to share their insights with you on what's currently happening in and around this exciting tech innovation space that's new around consumer items and what trends they see on the horizon. Uh, you might ask how we managed to secure such talented founders for this Startup Puzzle series. Uh, well, when you've been involved with as many startups as I have and worked with as many talented people as I have, uh, the pleasure of being connected to these people is just part of the, it's part of the job. Um, if you don't know me yet, I've been a guest with Matt DeCourcy here two times on Startup Hustle. And I'm the founder of iAccelerate.tech, which is my accelerator where I take very promising startups and, and get them to their full potential. My guest today is Evan Zhao, and he's founded his company, Revola, uh, which is, uh, which is uh, a high-tech cosmetic and skincare company. He's going to tell you all about it. Uh, before I introduce you further to Evan, let's take a quick moment to thank Fullscale for sponsoring today's podcast. Go learn how Fullscale helps you win a building soft, build a winning software team quickly and affordably by visiting Fullscale.io. Uh, now, without further ado, let's meet Evan Zhao. Evan, uh, in addition to being the CEO and founder of Revla, uh, you are a graduate student or just recently graduated from Harvard. Uh, you got your PhD in synthetic biology. Is that the name of the program? Uh, so I actually did my PhD at Princeton. Oh, that's um, right. And I recently joined okay. Harvard uh, to do some bio. Um, so first of all, I wanted to thank you for having me. Um, it's super exciting to be oh. here. Um, huge fan of the podcast. So uh, it's a really great moment for me. Um, great. Uh, and uh, yeah, thanks. And so uh, why don't you start off with telling us a little bit about what Revla does and um, maybe we can talk about how you decided to move in this direction. Yeah, so um, on the surface, Revela is a half biotech, half consumer goods company. And what we do is we use completely new biotechnology, such as uh, artificial intelligence-based drug discovery, synthetic biology, to really unlock the full potential of all those new ingredients that nobody's ever worked with before um, for things like cosmetics and supplements. Um and we also then package them together. We make brands out of them and we sell them direct to consumers so that people can get better, more efficacious products um, on their bodies. Yeah, I mean, I think skincare is kind of an interesting field. Uh, as those of us who use a lot of skincare products understand, they're, they're sometimes they're helpful and sometimes they're making claims that they don't really always follow through on. Um, and I remember we were talking before the, 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 the podcast, you've had some experience, a lot of experience with skincare, and that sort of goes back to your earlier roots uh, as, you know, before you were a founder or a scientist or anything. You want to yeah. talk about your history with skincare? Yeah, definitely. So I grew up with eczema. I had, I had pretty severe eczema as a kid. 
you know, my parents would like tie me to the bed. They would put gloves on me so I couldn't itch myself. Touch your um, skin. Yeah, it was it was horrible. I was I was like gnawing. I was a uh, scratching myself like to death. I was I was bleeding basically out from the eczema. Um, and I, I basically tried everything. So I came from a very Asian household and um, they, my parents would try everything and, you know, they loved me. Um, they took a very interesting approach, which was basically smash everything that the internet says might be good at it. So I tried honey, tried, you know, ginseng, ginger, watermelon, skin, you know, watermelon juice, you know, lemon juice, a lot of random stuff. Um, None of which actually worked very well. I think and ginger was the one thing that like kind of helped, but didn't really help. Um, I also went through the gambit of like, I tested every lotion. So I, you know, Cetaphil, you know, Aveeno, everything. And even the lotions that say that they're, you know, eczema lotions don't really help. They, you know, they moisturize the skin, which is really good. Um, but a lot of the lotions have things that are, I think, actively harmful for someone like me who has really sensitive skin. Um, they kind of have like really oily textures, which when I put it on my skin, I actually got more itchy. So I would, first of all, scratch off that initial layer of lotion, and then I would scratch off all of my skin. Oh, so, man. Um, it was actively harmful, kind of gruesome. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry about the nasty images at home. But... My sister actually used to have eczema when she was young, too. And her arm, like the, the, the inside of her elbow, would just be red, and the skin would just come right off. Yep. Um, it, was pretty, it was pretty horrible. And, but she had just a relatively localized version of it, and that was bad enough. Yeah, I mean, basically, if you have eczema, every every place where you have a little bit of sweat in your body that you get a little bit itchy, um, if it's if you have a mild version, it's itchy and you start, you know, it gets red. But if you have a slightly more severe version, you can you can basically itch all of those different places. So you know, you're uh, underneath your kneecaps, all those different places, into uh, very drastic states. Um, and I tried everything. So we had we'd gone to dermatologists. We bet, bet went to everybody out there and. You know, I mean, the only thing that actually ended up working was hydrocortisone. Um, and this is a steroid. It's a corticosteroid. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's something that does help reduce the immune reaction, right? That's that's all steroids do here is they reduce their immune response. Um, so you're able to get rid of some of the... That makes the redness um, sort of go down, exactly. the, go down a little bit. Exactly. I don't know if your sister used it, but, you know, it is one of the few things that works. Wow. Um, but it didn't, have, didn't probably may not have worked all the way. No, no, it doesn't work all the way. You know, you also, you experience a lot of different issues. Um, as a kid, I had random like periods of weight gain just from the corticosteroids. There's a lot of people suffer from other issues as well. People get migraines. There's other things that can happen with um, hydrocortisone, but it's one of those things where, I mean, even right now. So um, one of the employees in our company actually has severe, deals with pretty severe eczema. Um, and they actually recently uh, used Dupixin which is right now like one of the only drugs that can actually be used to treat eczema. And apparently insurance is such, you know, such a drag that most people decide not to go for it because it's such a long process. Just to get um, it. That's, yeah, just to yeah. get it. It's, a, it's, a, it's an expensive drug because they did the entire FDA clinical trial, you know, they're sure that it works, but it's very unfortunate because a lot of people don't get to use it. Um, and that's the other kind of downside with our, our healthcare system is people can put a lot of effort trying to deliver great drugs to people, but at the end of the day, even something as great as Dupixin, which I actually firmly believe in, a lot of people end up not using because of, you know, uh, all of these different insurance issues, um, which yeah. is why hydrocortisone, fun fact, sells for $160 million of revenue per year in the United States. So something, and that's for skincare, for eczema. So something as, you know, basically toxic as hydrocortisone 
is many people's first response in this kind of skincare area. Um, and I think it's, it's too bad. So that's, that's what I grew up with. That's kind of the life of skincare, isn't it? Like, I think, you know, if you like, let's actually, first of all, that's an amazing story as a founder that you start your, your interest in skincare started with using practically everything on the planet that's supposed to be helping with your skin. Like you're like an encyclopedia of, uh, of, of skin lotions and creams. Yeah. <laughs> what a start. And, and so, um, and so as you got older, I guess it cleared up, did it, or it, um, it got better. I think, um, you know, you, you learn to deal with things in different ways. And, um, that's another thing about cosmetics is a lot of things will promise stuff that works. Um, and the truth is a lot of this stuff, like, you know, for example, hair loss, um, postpartum hair loss, a lot of women lose hair during childbirth. And then some people will come around to say we can we can cure hair loss, but the truth is your body sometimes naturally grows out of things, right? So I sort of naturally grew out of eczema. It's not as bad. I don't, you know, when I do kind of have a cracked hands sometimes, but it's not to the point where I'm like hurting myself. Mm -hmm. um, and so the thing is, some those women that lose their hair because of having a baby, after about a year, that hair loss is gone. So the hormones are all back to normal. Right. And, People will start to see effects, even okay. if they do nothing. The skin cream people are saying, it's like, look, your hair's back. Yeah, exactly. Like you could literally put on like a vino and, you know, probably you'll get your hair to grow back because that's what naturally is going to happen anyways. Um, yeah. So but you could use olive oil too. <laughs> exactly. So I have no idea what actually cured my eczema. And I, I to this day, I don't know. When you tried um, everything under the planet. Exactly. It could have been, it could have been a watermelon skin. Who knew? But uh, called a yeah. compounding effect. <laughs> So that's great. So that so so interesting. So so you've had a long in long term interest in skincare, um, and and so tell us about like as you started to conceive your idea. Like, how did that work for you? You're going. You, you're actually did your PhD, and now you're you know you're at, at Harvard and you're doing your postdoc, and you know you could be going for an academic career or becoming you know going to medical research or something like this. So what's going through your head? as you think about you know, doing something on your own? Yeah, um, let's see. Maybe I should tell you a little bit about who I am as a person. I think um, my personality definitely fits in here in terms yeah. of that piece of the puzzle. Um, so I you know, I grew up in a very normal Asian family. Um, I think my family is weird. So they're they're normal people and they're great people, but they're, they're very weird people. Um, we're all, we have very like addictive personalities. So when we get really into something, oh, yeah. we, will, we will really get into it. And we'll try to figure out everything, every kind of solution for it. And so it's also lends to like, if something's wrong, we try to fix it as soon as possible. You know, I, 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 I try to kind of describe my family as we're very constructively lazy. So um, I, the earliest memory I have is really fishing with my grandfather. And when he would fish, he would actually put fishing little bells on top of the fishing rods. And every time the fish would bite, he would, there was like six fishing rods out. He would pick one out and he would actually get the fish. Um, and so that's, that's what I grew up with, right? My family basically taught me, if you see something that can be slightly improved, you should actively do something to improve it. And you should try to figure it out as soon as possible. Um, you know, another one of my earliest memories, um, I actually, when Pokemon first came out, you know, it was, it was huge. And mm. I was like five. So I was super young. I couldn't really figure out what's going on. And my dad, one of my earliest memories, like I, I woke up the next morning after Christmas, after I got the Game Boy, and I was like crying because I was like, I can't figure out what's going on. My dad had like played it for seven hours straight through the night. 
just to try to figure out like what was going on and then I'll how to actually play that for my son. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's a weird kind of um, personality trait, but I do think I've noticed in a lot of founders and, and a lot of people that this is something that drives them is like really, if if they see something where they can actively improve things, um, it's something that they actively want to work with. And so yeah. to give you a little bit of insight, that, that's how I grew up. But as the pandemic hit, right? So this was um, summer of 2020. We had basically closed down the labs. Everybody basically told us, and I was doing, at the point I was doing um, mRNA therapeutic development. So I was trying to make next generation mRNA therapeutic. Like vaccine. Exactly. I mean, it, it, we were trying to do stuff for cancer and other things, but um, at the end of the day, they the Institute kind of ruled that nobody except for the people doing COVID research was allowed to go back in the lab. Mm. And at that point, I, I kind of had a realization that like a, a lot of the scientists and one of my co-founders, we had also met at Harvard, um, we kind of had a weird, weird time because imagine growing up and thinking, hey, I'm doing great things for the world. And then everybody, when this hits, everybody's like, hey, your stuff doesn't matter. You need to go home right now because it's better that you do nothing than do anything at all. <laughs> and so a couple of things raced into my head, right? So the first thing was like, okay, what is what I'm doing, does it really matter? And is this something that I want to commit a lot of my life to? Hmm. And the truth is, you know, I, I love academic research and i think there's a great place for it but it takes a long time for academic research to get transitioned to industry and industry even at large companies which a lot of this technology goes into it takes a long time for it to it does fruition and when, when we say a long time we're talking yeah about the time you retire <laughs> exactly like so if i'm 60 you know maybe i'll see my like mrna cancer drug helps get started yeah exactly um it's interesting, you know, I mean, the PD-1 inhibitor for the cancer drugs that are huge right now, that was like 20, 30 years ago. I mean, just got no prize, but I mean, the real work was done a long time ago. And so you really have to think, you know, that must be great for them to have that validation. But I'm also very patient, right? Like my, my family has this weird history of like, we just can't wait for this stuff. Like we want to see things. That's a good trait. That's a good trait. A lot of those people probably did that PD, PDL one, like work probably maybe they got cancer and died. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, the very unfortunate <laughs> truth is like, you know, that drug saved a lot of people, but it took a it, long time to come. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not the people who actually discovered it though. I mean, it's so freaking long ago. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So this is your family. Little, little obsessive compulsive. Yep. Yeah, a little bit. Builders, uh, encyclopedic knowledge of skincare. But <laughs> of, you know, I mean, combo. It's interesting. So, <laughs> whenever they shut down, right? So then I had like a midlife crisis, right? Um, you know, I was like, "What am I doing with myself?" And I really, I think the question that we all have is, "How did this happen?" Right? Like, how did we get? from a virus, you know, wh wherever it came from, whatever happened with it. How did we get from that to the U.S. has been shut down for more than a year? And it doesn't look like it's getting better. Like, people basically ignore it now. But, you know, if you look at the numbers, it's not really getting that much better. How did we get here? And I think at, during that summer, I was really asking, like, what what, what happened here? And, like, kind of what, what are the social environmental factors to really lead to this? And so existential crisis here. Exactly. It's like, you know, what, what are we doing science for? Nobody's going to listen to existential, us. Existential crisis. Yeah. Career crisis. Um, You're not the only one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, so I kind of had this weird urge that, hey, I want to do something about this. And I, I think 
I want part of my career to be defined by trying to tackle this issue. And so we really dug deep and tried to think, hey, why would people suddenly have, not suddenly, but like over a long period of time, have this distrust of science? And why would people, when people say like, just put on a face mask, it's not hard. It's not like a difficult thing to do, but people would automatically argue like, oh no, I'm suffocating. You know, does it actually help? Are you really sure that it helps? Where did this come from? And, and how come the general public doesn't trust scientists anymore? And we came to two conclusions. The first is mm. scientists are very stuck up people. And I think a lot of scientists don't think of communicating at, to the public as something that's really important. And it's, that's something that I really vibe with you about, because you're someone who you realize how important it is to really communicate this, the work that you do to normal everyday people, because those are people that, that determine the trajectory of the world. If you really want to solve climate change, if you really want to solve these things, you have to start by talking to people. They're the boss. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and the truth is scientists have been acting like the for the longest time that they were the boss, like they were the customers. It's not true. There's compared to the <laughs> number of no one's, no one's listening to you. No, no one cares, right? Um and and that thing, I I think it's a huge failure of marketing in terms of mm. science. And part of the reason for this is I think because of the cosmetic kind of consumer space. A lot of people have experiences going into some, you know, I won't mention specific names, but they'll they'll walk into a store. And that store will promise, hey, you're going to grow muscle. Hey, you're going to like be super thin or hey, you're going to have perfect skin. And they will use it. For $125. Exactly. They're going to be like, hey, it's it's worth $200. It's worth $150. It's going to have nice packaging. They're going to say all the right things. They're going to say, we discovered this random ingredient in the middle of the forest or like in the middle of the ocean or in the middle of the X. And they, you know, a lot of the times, is it actually true? We don't know, but... Um, it won't actually work. And I think a lot of this also comes from a, a fact that, you know, a lot of humans are different and we have genetic differences and sometimes some things will work with one person and not for another. And it's also hard to tell. Sometimes it's not really, it's, there's no real reason it would work too. Exactly. It happens a lot. I think a lot of cosmetics have like plant extracts in them, which kind of nurture your skin and they nourish it. But it, that's a far reach from like, making it smooth or or soft or you know rejuvenating it making yeah. it bigger. that's a lot of <laughs> extract yeah so, i mean watermelon skin right i mean skin. Did it help or not i mean it definitely felt nice when i was using it on my bleeding you know elbows <laughs> but um you know i i have to say i don't really think that it worked to the degree that i expected or wanted um, it just yeah it just covered up the the wounds yeah a little bit you know right? and, and it, it should help the next day, day. <laughs> uh, but you know what we we basically looked at this and we were like okay i mean i think i get that part that kind of makes sense as a logistical like for the past 30 years people have been i don't know about lied to but they've had this truth stretched to them and so then you lead to situations where like the government says hey or like someone very esteemed like anthony fauci who has all of the scientific record if they say hey like this is a dangerous virus you guys should probably stay at home their first reaction isn't, oh yeah, man, I should listen to that guy. Their first, their first reaction is, oh right, I remember that really famous like skincare guy that told me that I was gonna get rid of all my wrinkles in five seconds. But like, yeah, what's, it, my what's wrinkles, his game? So. Yeah, what's so he what's hiding? <laughs> that's true. That's really true. Um, so, really, I think that that was a spark of the company, and I think that's something that we generally really care about, which is we want to deliver things that are able to help people with what they really care about. And by doing so, we want to change the public perception of what they deserve, right? And, and it's one of those things that are like, 
it's not right that people take advantage of other people, but it's also not right that people expect other people to take advantage of them, right? People shouldn't be looking into skincare or looking into supplements and being like, all right, well, like 95% of the chance, it's not going to work. I just like the pretty packaging. And I think that's the current standard. And I think what we really want to show people is, hey, if somebody tells you and they have the right credentials and they have the right kind of um, story and they have the right you know, things to back it up, all of the publications, all that stuff to back up things, then you should trust what they're saying. And, you know, slowly we'll be able to get people to trust in climate change, get people to trust in all the things that really matter. And, you know, I, I think that's that's really what the long-term goal is. But uh, in terms of the actual technology, we, we basically said, okay, how do we do this? Okay, we can apply some of the new biotechnology that we've recently developed to this problem. And it was kind of like, you know, just two things that matched up perfectly and we started the company. Let's let, me, let me add a little business here. I just want to remind everybody, today's episode of Startup Hustle, sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. I'm here with Evan Zhao, CEO and co-founder of Revla, and we're talking about skincare and its myths and, and, and why people don't trust maybe packaging or scientists or a lot of things now. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I feel the same way, you know. Um, it's been a lot worse in the past. Uh, I've, I've been digging into early 20th century sort of history, and you know there was a time where there's no regulation, you could say anything, sometimes known as the snake oil days. But cosmetics is this sort of weird sort of like twilight zone where people can still say a lot of things because you're not putting it into your mouth. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not injecting into your blood. And so people can say, what, what is, give an example of some of the things that, we, that people see on packaging all the time that are not necessarily true. I mean, they could say basically like something that doesn't work at all for hair growth can say can increase the thickness of hair, right? A thickness, appearance of thickness of hair. Um, you know, I, it doesn't actually need to be backed up. And so um, <laughs> you just, it, you know, I mean, so the FDA will do the FDA's rule role here is they're, they're reactionary. So right. if they find that someone's lying, like actively lying, like you said, you did a clinical trial, you didn't actually do a clinical trial. They will definitely take your stuff off. But that takes like years sometimes because so, they're busy. And there's and... some things you can say and the FDA has no, they have no legal standing mm -hmm. to actually question you on it, like hair thickening, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think healthy, shiny hair is another example, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, even brighter skin, right? Like what does brighter skin mean? Yeah, it just doesn't does have anybody. It doesn't um, really mean anything specific. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it could mean lots of things, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, so that's that, that's something that most of us don't even. I think it just sort of floats by you as you look at look look down the aisle, there. Yeah. So all right, we're getting back to the story of Revla. You guys are uh, so you guys are like coming together and you want to sort of like make a new generation of products for skincare. And tell tell us what happened next. Like where did that land? So, um, I mean, we at the very beginning we were trying to figure out what to work on, and, and I think we really wanted to make an impact in the supplement slash cosmetic space. <laughs> Um, because we, we had noticed that people really cared about their bodies, you know, wellness, longevity has become a real hot thing these days. Um, and we were trying to ask ourselves what to work on. And so it was one of those things. So, so I will say one thing that, um, I was highly addicted to video games in college and <laughs> I always tried to rationalize why that was okay. Um, at all stages of my life. Um, but I basically spent like eight to 10 hours playing League of Legends every day in college. Right? <laughs> it was a lot of time. Yeah, you're great. That's pretty yeah, I mean, uh, I, you know, it was it was tough, but um, it was something where 
I try to really see advantages to that every everywhere that I go. And and this is something where, you know, I, I put in so much time and I, I was actually really good. So I was ranked top 500 in North America. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, I was very competitive. So I was studying things and I was trying to use numbers to really quantify why different teams are doing well, different teams aren't doing well. It was, it was you know, League was one of those things where it, it's one of the number, I think it's the number one game right now still. Mm-hmm. It, you know, prize pools are millions of dollars, right? You can win a ton of money. If you're a streamer, you can make even more money. It's, it's a real industry. But when I was really getting into it, this was probably 2012, 2013, North America was not that competitive. And um, this is where I think skincare is right now, right? So skincare, it was North America was at a place where there were some smart players, people where were, you know, really knowledgeable about kind of what kind of worked and what kind of didn't work, but they weren't quantitative about it. And actually accounting, they weren't keeping track. They weren't keeping track at all. Um, and they weren't really there weren't metrics, there weren't KPIs, right? It, it, because it was a video game and everybody yeah, thought of key it. performance indicators. Yeah. Exactly. Key performance mm-hmm. indicators. It's a marketing term that I've now, it's like drilled in my head now, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh founder's life. Yeah, yeah. Such a life. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there was another region, Korea, which was dominating the space. Like, they were winning every single international tournament and they were really, I really like just destroying everybody else. Um, and that was because they had experience in StarCraft. Um, they they had years of experience with StarCraft Korea, which was very popular in Korea years beforehand. They had coaching, analysis, and they were really the first country where a coaching staff and data you know data analytics took front stage. It wasn't the players that mm-hmm. really made a lot of the money. It was data analysts, it was coaches, a lot of other people were contributing to team success. And so I actually had the experience and very fortunate experiences of getting you know these kind of like data analyst intern jobs for different League of Legends teams. And I was able to bring some of the, you know, I knew math, right? Cause I, um, I, I have a math background. And so I was able to kind of bring a semi money ball approach to League of Legends. And this is what some, something that like Koreans were doing the whole time. And so when we were starting to do research in the personal health and wellness sector, right? That was something that immediately clicked uh, for me at least where I was like, well, this looks exactly like how North American League of Legends looked, you know, five years ago. Wellness money ball. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, was, there was a lot of people really just beating around the bush and, and it was like suboptimal optimization, right? So these are things where they're trying to improve things, but it wasn't really driven by numbers. It wasn't really driven by uh, hypothesis-driven approaches. And so it weren't really being that effective. And, and, and it's what we were seeing in the personal health sector People, you know, some days somebody will be like, honey is really good for your health. Or like, you know, for, for example, resveratrol, very good for your health, good for longevity. Some diabetes drugs are really good for longevity, right? So mm-hmm. different things, different where people were like competing with it. Um, and the truth is nobody really knew what was good or not. And so what we saw was that there were a lot of companies that do custom formulas. And, and I, do, I do agree with this because I think it would have been great for me to test, you know, to, to get recommended formulas for my eczema. I think, I think that's great. Um, and then what they do is they take all the current ingredients in skincare or hair care, all that stuff. And then they do custom formulas for different people hmm. um, using data. And that's interesting. I think it's one way to do Moneyball, right? So it's, it's one way to really, you know, try to optimize things in a statistical manner. Right. Um, and that's a, that's a data problem, right? Right. Um, but the truth is, a lot of the problems for cosmetics, and when we saw this, were that there there weren't that many ingredients with strong evidence. 
And so if you're trying to optimize with things that don't really work, like, so if, you're, if your ingredients are honey, watermelon skin, and like ginger, the truth is most of the people you're going to just use ginger for because, or ginger or uh, ginseng, right? Because that's the only thing that even has a minute effect. Um, you know, if you, if you have something that, you know, have a situation where most things that's don't work. That's a garbage in, garbage out kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. So it's, it's hard to work with. So we really thought that I think people wanted new things. And, you know, hmm. this was a situation where we had the technology now to do so. And because, you know, I, I had a couple of friends that were working in this AI for drug discovery space. Um, and we don't, we don't do drug discovery. We do ingredient discovery. Uh, but it's a very similar concept, which is if we're trying to solve a problem, Right, we're pinpointing the problem. We can, we can do better than saying, "Hey, here are some random ingredients somebody had some minute help with," and we're going to try to optimize these not so effective ingredients. Instead, if you start with the problem and you're actually trying to solve the problem, then you can get much, right. you know, much more efficient results. All new uh, ingredient, new ingredients. That's with real effects. Yeah, and, and this is something where, like, you know, I I had a very interesting chat with my wife in the very beginning because um. We, when we first started, I was like, I'm going to make better creatine, right? Because all of my friends were like, you know, Silicon Valley tech bros. And like, they were all talking about creatine. They were all talking about muscle builders. Mm -hmm. And that helps you recovery know, after you do a workout in the gym and stress exactly. your muscle out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think um, everybody was like, hey, can you come up with a replacement for steroids that doesn't have all this, you know, side effects of steroids? And at first, I thought, okay, that's interesting. I think we can do something like that. I think it would be something that people want. But I think the other main lesson I learned is you can't be super tied to your own views. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that we had to learn about. I didn't do a full skincare routine. Um, I still don't really do a full skincare routine. But after learning about how, how much a lot of people put into their skincare routine and how much they care about it, I think it's something that it's too bad that there's not something that works really well. And this really started, and I have to give my wife a shout out here because I, I will get yelled at if she hears this and uh, she doesn't get a shout out. There. Yep. <laughs> it's here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sian. It was your idea. Um, she brought up that she buys a lot of skincare products that promise that they use natural ingredients or new ingredients. And it's really because she doesn't really expect anything to work. And that was her mentality in this whole field. And so when, when we had gone down the rabbit hole and really explored that thoroughly, we, we noticed that it's true. People do want new things and there's clearly appetite there for something that's new. That that's really different. Exactly. Um, it's just that no one actually does that yet. So okay. that's, that's when well, we, so Evan, so like you, but you guys decided to do this and you had this process and you came up with something new and why don't we talk about that? Definitely. So, um, we we went through a lot of iterations. We we were talking a lot about how we were going to convince people that things work, right? And so that was, I guess, our first hurdle is we can do this discovery process. We can find ingredients that are better, but man, there's so much noise out there. Everybody and their mom tries to claim that they have science, tries yeah. to claim that they have next generation stuff. Um, and how how would you actually start to convince people that? your brand is different, that you're not also snake oil, right? Um, and so, first of all, we, we decided to, to start with hair growth, right? Um, because that's hair? something where if you're growing hair and you didn't have hair there before, 
it's very hard for you to say it didn't work, right? Um, and that's after arguing quite a bit, we we decided that you know Heracles was something that we wanted to, to solve. The other main thing is like my, everything that I had gone through with eczema, my mother had gone through with her hair. So she's mm. she's basically balding the top part of her hair, like the usually where guys bald. Um, and she doesn't have, I think she has probably like 10% of the density that she had when she was younger. And so I had see, seen her desperation, like attempts basically unfold the same as my eczema desperation attempts, which is at first you're like, okay, I'm going to buy Cetaphil. I'm going to buy a Vino. I'm going to just try things, right? I'm going to try things that people recommend. And then slowly as you degenerate into like, oh my God, nothing can help this. You start to try everything, anything that will you know, might help you at all. And so that honey, uh, ironically, honey, watermelon skin, also apparently good for hair growth. Uh, hmm. She's tried the exact same things as I did for eczema. Um, <laughs> okay. And so, you know, we knew people were desperate enough in this space to really try new things and to really, you know, be open-minded and also to trust results, right? Because if it's something that you've tried five things before and you haven't seen results and now you see results, it's something that you can start trusting. Um, and so, before with hair, hair. Uh, now wait a minute. So, so, so for hair growth though, there is something that supposedly grows your hair back, right? Um, yeah. So what? How? How? how so wh why not just use minoxidil? Yeah. So um, there's actually two things, and and oh. I, you know, I have a lot of respect for for those two things. The first thing is minoxidil, and minoxidil is it was a hypertension drug from like the 70s. That's for that, high blood pressure. Yeah. yeah. For high blood pressure. Sorry. Um, where you know, if people were, had heart issues, they would actually take the drug. And what happens is it actually causes your blood to flow more rapidly. And so when people were applying to their heads or, you know, just eating it just naturally, they were seeing that they were getting more hair growth just slightly over the course of like a year because they were getting more nutrients to their head. And that was really helping with, hmm. um, you know, with everything. And so that's interesting. It's also an invention from the eighties, which means that you know, it takes about six months to see results. And when, it, when you do see results, it gets, it's very patchy and a lot of people don't see results for it. So it's, so yeah, there, there are a lot of, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's an incredible thing, but the truth is you wouldn't use a computer from the 1980s. You hmm. wouldn't use a lot of things from the 1980s. You wouldn't Why? use a, hair, a, hair, a hairstyle from the 1980s. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I don't even know what the hairstyle was in 19. I wasn't alive yeah. then. Um, huge. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, so why would you use a solution from the 1980s for a problem right now where, I mean, our standards are way different, right? Back then, if you wanted to figure out what was on a menu at a restaurant, you had to, you know, a lot of times drive a really old car to the restaurant and figure out what was there. Now I can order on Grubhub or I can order on one of like seven different apps from that restaurant and that gets delivered to me almost immediately, right? So technology really revolutionizes stuff. I think it's time for minoxidil get a little bit of rejuvenation and it's time for us to really innovate in this space. Um, and now the other one I do want to mention is it's Propecia slash Finasteride. Mm -hmm. So this is a, it's a small molecule. Um, it's newer than minoxidil, but it's, it's still not that new. It, um, it basically regulates your testosterone or DHT, a derivative of testosterone levels. And so when you, you know, when you take, actually male, it works for only men. So that's the first thing. So, um, it's not fair. Yeah, yep. So, you know, I mean, uh, there's a whole part of the population where we're not really helping, but for, for men that are dealing with male pattern baldness, that actually has to do with DHT levels getting out of whack. And so if you're able to block that, this is a, this is a material that actually does work. And so 
you know, public public service announcement, if you are dealing with methadone baldness, Propecia slash finasteride is in effect a solution. Now, it does come with side effects, and I hope that doesn't get cut off. That's ominous. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, so testosterone and DHT sounds useful for guys, right? I mean, we we like it. You know, everybody that thinks about it, it's obviously very important. And because of that, uh, a lot of people, right, do deal with impotency. And now that um, is those, a double-edged sword. That's a double-edged sword. <laughs> that's you know not I mean? exactly a great trade-off. You know, the really smart part of these companies is they'll also sell Viagra or, or similar tablets um, in the cool. same store. So they'll they'll okay. cause a problem and then they'll solve it. Um, Two pills. Genius. Two pills for the price of one. Exactly. Not, well, for the price of two, but you're going to do it anyway. Exactly. Wow. Um, so, and, but I think what's really amazing is that shows how much people want to get their hair back. That yeah. you can still buy Propecia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people still people will still do that trade off. When we like we you know we did a lot of market research. When we looked through Reddit sweat threads, most of the comments were basically like, "Hey, like, I really want to get my hair back, but I don't want to risk my manhood." And then like. A month later, like, oh, well, I took well, it. Or, like, you know, there's like <laughs> now that's what you call, folks. That's what you call market demand. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a strong product. That's what the startup people are talking about. Market demand. You know, I mean, and the impotency stuff is permanent. Effects, but I'll buy it anyway. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> I mean, the impotency stuff is permanent, and the effect for your hair isn't permanent. Yikes! So that's a yikers. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's rough. Um, that is an amazing product appeal. I mean, I think, well, first of all, what we really wanted to help in the beginning was women um, because, you know, I think Propecia does work and, and it is a solution for men. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't want to be out there being like, there's no effective solution for men. Right. So I right. think as a scientist, I want to be honest. And so first and foremost, Propecia works very well. Minoxidil is from the 80s and it still works a little bit. Um, but for women, if you actually go around and you ask dermatologists, a lot of people will go to the dermatologist or go to you know, med spa and be like, hey, I'm losing my hair. I have hair thinning. What do I do? And actually, a third of women deal with this right? currently. So there is no current solution. And so what we really want to do is we want to have a product that really first helps the women in the world um, because it, it's really tragic uh, because for guys, it's almost gotten to the point where if you're getting bald, you should just shave your head. And like that's... You know, that's diesel, it's kind of cool. Exactly. Yeah. It's you know, you kind of it's kind of extra macho at a certain point. But if you're a woman and you're dealing with hair loss, you suffer in silence. Fewer options. Exactly. And then you go to the you go to the dermatologist and they say, We got nothing for you. And then you the only thing you have left is you go online and you say, I will try anything that works. Honey, ginger, helmet. Exactly. Like literally anything yeah. they will try. And, and that, unfortunately, a lot of people take advantage of this um, and they, you know, they sell lots of product, but it, it's, it's a, uh, it's like a snake oil thing again, all over. You know, I don't want to say, you know, I want to be openly attacking, but uh, there's stuff that basically, you know, is natural from plants that might help a little bit, but you know, it's not something that it's not is for most women or people. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's a difficult thing. Cause you're kind of, it's something you're worried about. You can't talk about it too much. Mm-hmm. It's not so. It's not really an open, an open sort of anxiety that you can have. Yeah. And so, huge market appeal, even huger, uh, but unsatisfied market in the startup parlance, right? Mm-hmm. So, 
So find something people, build something people want. That's what YC said, Y Combinator says. And it looks like you got something people really want. All right. Yeah. So tell us about what you got then. Yeah. So um, you might have noticed I my hair is very, very short. Everybody? Uh, yeah. Evan, Evan's got a very short haircut. Yeah. So, well, you funny. saw me a month ago and I was like bald, right? So he um, was indeed. He was quite yeah, bald. He was very bald. And I, I learned then that it's, it's very hard to pull off bald. Um, it's, I think I have a lot of respect for monks. I have a lot of respect for anybody that decides and to all go. Those guys are shaving their head just because it's they, hard. You know, to, I think yeah. I look real weird. Um, I think there's two things. It's because I, uh, you know, if you if you have had hair your whole life, the the scalp on top of your head is basically all white. So you look super weird if you just randomly decide to shave your head. And you're, you um, find out how much your ears stick out. Your stick out yeah. a little bit. So that was yeah. Right. It's tough, but you know, I mean. <laughs> One thing that we wanted to do is, you know, we've done discovery, we've done the safety testing is we wanted to show that we wanted to put our money where our mouth was. So I shaved my head, our uh, chief scientific officer, he shaved his head. We're the people that did the safety testing. We're the people that, you know, set up the clinical testing. We're the people that, you know, if there are anything dangerous about this, we would know. And we shaved our heads. We applied the final serum to our heads, to the, to the right, to the right side. You could probably tell like mm -hmm. um, this side is, this is longer than the other one. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we put our money where we're really trying to show that this stuff works and it's safe. Um, and so this know, is a, you also did a, a clinical safety study that's pretty much standard accepted, but you also sort of tested on yourself and the yeah, so founders. I, I have a thing where, you know, I think if you're testing on other people, but you're not testing on yourself, that says something about you. And mm -hmm. it's, um, I, I the, the where I got this kind of weird feeling from was from the cigarette industry. They said a lot of people wouldn't smoke cigarettes, but they would try to sell cigarettes. And so that's really a culture that I thought, you know, for a company like ours, where we're really trying to change the world and change how people view things, that, that's not okay. We really want to believe in our products and we want to show people that it works. Um, now, unfortunately, and, and or fortunately, it does work. So currently, and I, I measured this a while ago, but um, the right hand, the right side of my head is about 1.2 inches average length, and the left hand side is one, 0 0.8 inches. So it's about a 50% increase in the length. But I look super weird now. Like, it looks kind of uneven. Um, so every time I look at me, I'm like, oh no, like you've got a little, this... you've got the ninth green there on the left hand side of your head. Exactly. But uh, you know, I mean, catch, but that's great. I mean, but 50% that means that means a lot in terms of the hair growth. Yeah, um, I mean, it, results, I results may 50% faster. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Um, results may vary, obviously. But um, I think if it works on me and I had hair growing very quickly already, then, you know, I think it's it has it's good news for a lot of people. We've been getting very positive feedback from both our beta tests and our clinical trials. Um, and so we're really excited to introduce wow. the product. So so what, so what's happening next? So you've, you've tested this and you've got your clinical trials. They're about done now. Yeah, so um, they're they're finished. We had no uh, side effects, unfortunately. That's so safe. So safe. Um, you know, we have to look at everything and make sure that everything checks out. But um, it, it, things are looking good. We will have a slew of before and after pictures to start sharing with all of the people that care about this. And at the end of the day, we are trying to launch our product November eighth. So, wow. so in one week, actually, you know, this is going to be coming out after this. So. Uh, the podcast come out twelve fifteen. So, yeah. uh, where do people go today, uh, in mid December, to find this product? 
Uh, how, yes. how, how, how we get a handle? I'm sure more than a couple of listeners are interested. So our, our, our uh, website is getrevela.com. So G-E-T-R-E-V-E-L-A.com. Um, you can go there. You can order our hair serum. Um, I, I think uh, yep. you should be able to get it within a couple of weeks and you should be able to start testing. Um, you know, now to be fair, I think just from our wait list and pre-orders, we might not have stuff that is readily available. So it might take a couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, yeah. We actually, one of our, our, our like main AI guy just flew down to Florida to make sure that our formulation, our manufacturing is set up. So that's the other part of the startup life that's crazy is uh, this is a guy with crazy expertise in AI and everything computers. And he was down there like mixing stuff together, making sure that like things were clear, everything looked correct, um, dealing with like kind of basically chemical manufacturing. He's, so, he's, uh, he could be at Google, but he's, he's in Florida yeah. messing around with hand creams. I mean, that's great, though. I mean, uh, it, so, many, so much is happening so quickly, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so the stuff is not available. And where do people go if they want to see? You're going to put uh, some of these side-by-side -side comparisons up. Where can we find those? Those will be on the same website. Uh, okay. You can go down to our tech, our story. Um, you know, the different tabs that we have up and okay. everything. We have an Instagram feed, I think. Yep, that's right. So our, our handle is also Instagram, uh, Instagram.com slash Get Revela. Get Revela. So, uh, yep. Get Revela. Okay. That's um, going to be, um, you know, uh, what a great pr Christmas present that would be. Like, get your hair back, Dad. <laughs> I think it's a great timing. Uh, and I hope, uh, uh, you know, I hope everybody who's interested will give it a try. Uh, it's it's going to be taking the world by storm, and then very shortly, I'm sure, once people sort of hear about how well it works. Um, anything else you want to add about it? Uh, no, I, I you know I mean we're really I'm really excited to be on this podcast. Like I said, I, I listen to it quite a bit, um, and you know if, if if anybody's suffering, we're really happy to you know have have them reach out to me directly. I don't know right. if that um, is something that people are interested in, but if if they're curious about uh, what we're doing, if they're curious about the product or anything, uh, we want to make this an extremely transparent process. So if anybody has any questions, There's they comments. can reach out. You can go through the comments on the website. On I yeah. get That's okay. Great. Um, uh, and uh, this works as well for men as women. I mean, you've targeted women, but it, it can anybody can use it really, I guess. Yep. So, so our, our actual strategy is we're hoping that the women will use it and then they will be like, wow, this stuff works. And then they're going to convince their boyfriends to use it. Um, because, that's how white cloth became famous that's why that's, that's why i use some skincare product now is i see my wife's stuff and i'm like eh, like you know, you know guys just don't sit around at the barbershop and exchange skincare tips i don't know what's wrong with this that would be nice <laughs> though you know, I think... <laughs> okay well that was a real pleasure i think we're gonna uh wrap it up that was a super awesome to hang out with you evan from from Revela, getrevela.com. And uh, if you're looking for a perfect uh, skincare present for or hair care present for one of your relatives or friends, uh, like uh, now you know where to go. Um, once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by Fullscale, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Find them on Instagram at Startup Hustle Podcast or check out the YouTube channel. And I will see you guys next week with our next entrepreneur. Uh, from the world of synthetic biology. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Evan. Bye. Thank you, Ron. 
Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.